Well, I went to church one day to hear them sing and play. The preacher, he firmly plowed that gospel plow. Oh, he said you must repent. So down that old aisle I went. And now it's different. Oh, so different now. Well, it's different now. Yes. Just one. 
greatest task. Lord, all that I ask, send a refuge for me. Lord, send me a refuge to hide from the storm and wrap me in your sweet love. Keep me safe.
rather be There's no place I would rather be There's no place I would rather be Than here in your love Here in your love No place I would
news is we're a little strapped for time but the fantastic news another soul was added to the kingdom today is that not one of the reasons why we came here today amen how's is that good all right 
So, today, it's a very unusual message. This message was not in my heart. Uh, when Pastor Tim had asked me to preach, um, I had my message that I wanted to give all ready to go. I wanted to talk about, about Paul. I wanted to talk about forgetting things behind you, pressing towards the mark. And that was not the message that I got. But there is good news. If I ask you today, while, while I'm talking, if you go ahead and get your Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Um, my watch is broken, so I told my wife to let me know when it was 1.30 so I could quit. Kidding. Everybody knows I don't go more than 45, 50 minutes. Um, but if I ask you, are you ready to grow? I'm talking about this assembly. I'm talking about personal spiritual growth, even though that should be taking place all along the way. But if I ask you, are you ready to grow? What's your answer? If I ask you, are you excited to grow? What's your answer? Now the hardest one of all, and I hope we can talk about it a little bit today, is how will we grow? I will personally tell you, I did not want to tackle this message whatsoever. However, I feel like we need to. I feel like it's necessary. I feel like the Lord, I don't know how the Lord works with you, if you just hear it and know it. But for me, it's a knowing. Does anybody remember when they got saved and you knew that you knew that you were saved? And you couldn't unknow it, no matter what anybody said to you? That's how I feel about this today. I'm telling you, not just because of the baby dedication, not just because our brother has come home today, not just because it took me five minutes for junior church to let out before I could get back in, but because the Lord has said it. When you come, and Pastor Tim, and I know Brother Randy and DJ, you come and you preach the truth week after week, it is going to pay dividends. We are storing up treasures in heaven. I got to talk with um, Pastor Shirley yesterday about how we felt like that my grandfather, JB, many of you remember him and sat under him, that he would be utterly offended if you said that this was the house that JB built. Because this is the house that the Lord has built. This is the house where he is worshipped. This is his. And all that it's in it is his. Whether you know it or not, I believe that it was placed, and whether you agree with it or not, I believe it was placed within the heart of the trustees to put in new carpet, to put in new pews, to put in a new wall put in a new kitchen. We're doing all of the physical things that prepare us to say welcome. Right? We've got to reach beyond our little group. So I'm going to skip some of the things that I wrote. Let's start off with Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 1 through 10 and then 13 through 22. And I promise ones I'll paraphrase. It says... In chapter 2, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, 
where in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, that spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, he hath quickened us together in Christ. For by grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in ages to come that he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Not by works, lest any man should boast. For we are the workmanship created in Christ. Jesus, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wow, that's a load of scripture, ain't it? I want to tell you, we were all dead in sin. Salvation is at the forefront. And if you need a rededication today, don't wait. Come forward. You're not going to interrupt me. You're not going to put me off. I promise I can ramble. I can, I can wrap this up in five minutes, Right? But we need to rededicate. Those which are dry in spirit need to come forth and come alive. There is life that is flowing in the salvation of Christ. He said you were once dead. But now we need to walk according to the word of God. So if we'll look in Matthew chapter 4. Ephesians declared that we need to know whose and what we are. If I didn't know any better, it kind of felt like the kingdom of heaven this morning, didn't it? Babies being dedicated, given back to the Lord where they belong. Congratulations to you. And souls being saved, worshiping our Savior. It's been a good day. I can walk out and say it's been a good day. So I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. But in chapter 4, when you look at verses like 1 through 24... Jesus was taken. So I thought, you know, how, how do we grow? How did Jesus grow a church? So I begin to look at our, our ultimate example. As I, as I went through, mind you, my very first thought, as everyone would be, I think, at this day and age, is let's go to the Internet. Let's see what programs they have. Let's see what kind of goodness we can give to our people. God will give the increase. It's not in a program. It's in the truth in the pages. That must be preached. So Jesus was taken. Where he went into the wilderness to be tempted by our adversary. And everything that had taken place, where he said that he had hungered because he was fasting. He said that he had hungered. He said, if you make this, this stone bread, you'll be filled. He had told him, he said, get behind me, Satan. Everything, he said, for it is written. For it is written. This is how you have to win. And spiritual warfare. And it said, and at the time that our Savior had won through the word, it said that his enemy, our adversary, had left him for a season. And it said that the angels had came and ministered unto him. 
And the people that sat in darkness had saw a great light. So in verse 17 it says, From that time Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon, called Peter, and drew his brother, casting in a net into a sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw two other brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. It says that in Jesus went about Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all of Syria, and they brought unto him all that were sick, and people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those that were a lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. That's a, that's a lot. It's a lot of reading, I know. But secondly, in order to grow, you must face an enemy. I don't know of anyone that's truly anointed that hasn't been alone. You've got to get alone for a season. You've got to be tempted by an adversary. You've got to deal with an adversary. You've got to be worthy of the kingdom. His blood makes you worthy. If you hold tight, shortly after, as you see in our example, the angels came and ministered unto him. So we must face an enemy to answer the call that he has. Can I ask you, can you answer the call today? That's a burning question. If we are to grow, you're going to need more teachers. You're going to need more singers. Maybe not more singers, I don't know. You're going to need more musicians. You're going to need more everything. And guess what? Studies show that tithes does not increase if your service increase, increases by a third. That comes way down the line. Are you ready to handle the growth? Are you ready to deal with what might come your way? Are you happy if you got people that you got to find chairs for the corner of your class? And I want to tell, I want to mind you, this sermon came to me day before Thursday. Guess how many I had Thursday night? One kid. I thought, really? But you know what? I want to tell you that one kid was worth it. One kid was worth the drive. That one kid learned something that night. We went out in public, and we were despised by others for reading in public. We said, we'll do our lesson in public. They told us, we can't give you a receipt. By the way, we're closing in 15 minutes if you want to take that somewhere else. No, I don't. I can get it done in 15 minutes. I'll be out here, 9 o'clock. 8.30, whatever, don't you worry. So Matthew chapter 16. By the way, this morning I had nine. I got a few others I'm going to call. And it, it's not about the numbers, but I'm just telling you the Lord is fixing to grow. He's going to grow us up. But we must be ready to receive. So I challenge you today to prepare your hearts and prepare this assembly to receive. 
Matthew chapter 16, looking at verses 13 through 19. When Jesus had came into the coast of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I am? The Son of Man? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom ye say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus had answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven. And I also say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give thee the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shalt be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. A couple things here. The name Peter in Hebrew means rock. So it was very fitting. But you look and you think, why Peter? Peter was a brash, brass fisherman, unstable. So some of you guys out there, you got a chance. Give up. All right? But it was the revelation that the Father had given to him in the confession that he was Jesus Christ. Son of the living God. That truth is what we will build this church upon. In order to grow, you must have sound doctrine. And you must build upon the truth. Anything else is human ingenuity. And it is unacceptable before God. And that sacrifice will be rejected. So... It's important to know when he, told, when he told Peter, he said, and I give you the keys to the kingdom. You ever just read it and then you move on? And then sometimes you read it and you go, why? What's going on here? So I'm going to paraphrase a lot of my writings here. So what had taken place is in that time, it's important to know that there was a master and that there were servants. And the most trusted servant the most trusted servant, he would hand the key over when he was gone. And he would say, I give you the power to lock and unlock the estate, to let in and to shut out. And I thought, man, he has given us the power to preach the gospel, the authority to allow to enter into the kingdom of heaven. He has unlocked the kingdom for us that we may enter in through his blood. How beautiful was that? So another thing that I have written down is that there's power in our words. If you will, take your Bibles, move over to Mark chapter 11. We're going to look at a few verses. We'll start at verse 12, go to 14, then we'll jump to 20, 26. This is where it's going to be, and, and I'll, I'll do my best to kind of summarize it. It said, and on the morrow, this is after, uh, this is when Jesus clears the temple again. It says, and on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves. So he was hoping that he would be fed. 
right? He's seen this fig tree. Now, what's important to know about fig trees is fig trees always produce fruit first and then leaves, right? So he saw the leaves, so it, it must have fruit. It says as he walked by and he come upon it, he saw the leaves but no fruit. And Jesus answered and said, No man shall eat of the fruit hereafter forever. It says, And the disciples heard it. They heard it. Now if you jump to verse 20, Jesus is teaching them that they can pray for anything. It says, And in the morning when he passed by, he saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling into remembrance, saith unto him, Master, Behold the fig tree which thou cursest, it is withered away. And Jesus answered unto them, saying, Have faith in God. For verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever say to this mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt it in his heart, but believe those things which he saith, it shall come to pass, and he shall have whatsoever he saith. I'm going to cut that a little short. I want you to understand, when you speak especially in this assembly. And trust me, I'm trying to check myself all along the way. You are going to be accountable, and your words have power. Watch how you cut people. Watch the things you say. Let them be the things of God. Let him, it says, out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. Let your mouth speak righteousness, purity, good things, Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are of good report, think on those things. Speak on those things. Encourage each other to make it. He teaches that we must forgive. It goes on in the scripture to say that if you have aught against anyone and you forgive them not, your father, you, re, you tie his hands from forgiving you. And that is, that is tough because sometimes people hurt us. Sometimes people caught us and they don't mean to, or maybe they did. You're required to forgive them. Faith is a work of love. It's an action word. And I want to remind you that faith is a force. I, want, I told my class Thursday, don't say that I'm of the Christian faith. No, you're a Christian. You're a God-fearing, Bible-believing, born-again Christian. Faith is a force. I believe it. I believe that when I speak it, it shall be done. So when this morning, when we get up and we say, I declare that this house will be a household of faith, a household of worship, a house of praise, a house where broken are made whole, a house of restoration, a high tower in a time of trouble. Amen. You have the power to forgive this morning. You have the power to forgive each other. If you will, turn to Acts chapter 2. We'll get you out of here fairly quick. You want to grow? Everybody knows what Acts chapter 2 is. I hope so, right? We're in Pentecostal church. But 
It's important that we're in one accord. At the end, towards the end of this chapter, it said, and they had all things in common. We need to speak the same. Our conversations should be the same. They should be good. I read in one scripture a while back, it said that if the husband is not saved, it just struck me, so I want to share it. If the husband is not saved, that the very conversation of the wife should encourage and compel him to come in. So Acts chapter 2, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the house that they were sitting. And it appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men in every nation under heaven. And now when the noise abroad, sorry, when the noise abroad, the multitude came together, and they were confounded, because every man had heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled one another. Behold, are not all these men that speak Galileans? And how we hear every man in his own tongue, wherein we were born. And it goes on to begin to talk about how they had heard the wonderful and mighty, marvelous works of our Lord. And they said, how? They said, they supposed that these men were drunk. They said, these men are not drunk, for it's only but the third hour of the day. And he said that this was that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it says in verse 14, but Peter standing up with the 11. I love how he stands up here. I don't know about you. But it says, he lifted up his voice and said unto them, ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, for it is the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and my handmaids I will pour out in those days of my spirit. And they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth. Beneath blood and fire and vapor and smoke. And it shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great notable day of the Lord to come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever, I love this part, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is us this morning. We have the ability to cry out, Abba, Father. And he hears us this morning. And he said, ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did in the midst of them, as ye yourselves also know, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by the wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, I love this as well, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding it. I want to tell you this morning, it says on that David spaketh concerning him. He said, and I foresaw the Lord. David is speaking as a prophet. I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was made glad. Moreover, my flesh shall rest in hope. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thy holy one. 
to see corruption. And thou hast made it known to me the ways of life. And thou shalt make with full joy with thy countenance. Thou shalt make me full of joy. I sat and looked at this. And he said he never left his soul in hell. I, I began to look and I thought, I thought, okay, I need to figure out. I, I love this. What's exactly going on? David is foretelling. He said in scripture, my Lord said unto my Lord, I shall not leave your soul in hell and your body shall not see corruption. And then it dawned on me the third day when he rose again from the grave. I began, to, I began to research when he said that he shall not see corruption. Your internal organs, all of your main organs, do not see corruption until the third day. And all of a sudden, when they begin to anoint Jesus' feet, you go back and you begin to see when he said, you don't know what she does. She anoints my feet and she anoints my body for my burial. She came to, to preserve a Savior. Our Savior did not see corruption. He was buried. He was dead for three days. And on the third day, he rose again, conquering death in the grave. He said, behold, I have the keys to hell in the grave. He said, and my soul, my father did not leave in hell, for he gave me the power of resurrection. He gave me the power to tear down and set up. He gave all things, all keys to the kingdom unto me. And he shared the keys of the kingdom with us that we could help bring and compel those to come in. If the singers and musicians go ahead and come up, if you will, turn to 2 Timothy with me, chapter 4. So I got a question for you. Anybody used to coach sports? Yeah. I know kids, they used to hate continuous motion, continuous movement. It means you can't stop, even when you're in line, you're jogging. Right? Which brings me to my next point. When you choose this life, this life of salvation, this life of forgiveness, and this life, and we'll be honest with you, it's worth living. If you're not saved today, it's worth living. It's a good life. It's a good one. It's a life that when I lay down at night, I feel good about where I'm going. You can go ahead and stand up. It's a life that gives me peace. He says, I'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him. It's a life that gives me joy. He said he made my countenance of joy. Little Destel, I love you, buddy. You look joyful when you come to church, and I'm proud of you. There's many others here today that I'm proud of you. And there's many leaders here today. I thank you for leading 2 Timothy chapter 4. It says, I charge thee therefore before God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of the season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will no longer endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Turn away their hearts from the truth. And they shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou all things, endure afflictions to the work of the evangelist. Make full proof 
of the ministry. So I want you to understand, Paul chose this life of preaching the gospel. Paul chose to walk in the ways of Christ. It wasn't always easy. When it says forgetting the things behind him, you have no idea what he had to leave behind him. You don't even know the half. I want you to understand, sometimes it costs a little bit. Paul was imprisoned in Rome. And as he is in prison, ready to be martyred, he says, for I am ready now to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not, on, not to me only, but unto all of them that also love his appearing. Do you have your crown this morning, the crown of righteousness laid up for you? He's fixing to be martyred, and his mind is on writing the words of Christ. I love you guys this morning. If you don't know him, come forward. It's a life worth living. And let's grow. Let's get ready to grow. I was saved in my youth and I Yeah.
JB, you're here. I'd hold you longer if I thought you'd come. I know that it's late, and I thank you for staying. I thank you for having patience. But I also want to tell you that I know, that I know, that there's someone here that's not saved. I know this. The Spirit reveals. I encourage you to come. Just a few more seconds if you'll come, please. Would you reject such great salvation? It's a wonderful life. I am privileged to be in this assembly. I am privileged to worship with all of you. If no one will come.